Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man that does not exist. Champ Uncline the Night Rider Years, a podcast by two friends who share a love of classic 80s television. I'm your host, Dave Champa. I am your other host, Greg Klein. Gregory, how how are you? I'm well. Like, it feels like it's been such a long time since we've seen each other, but it's only been like two and a half days. I know, but <laughs> it's been crazy since our 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 trip up north. Yes. Um sharing travel hashtag hashtag travels with the night. Absolutely. Um, that was a lot of fun, man. It really, really was. And what's really wild about it is that we are so far ahead of schedule right now <laughs> that yeah. by the time people hear this episode, it's December 2nd. So I don't like it. Happy December, everybody. <laughs> I don't like it. So are you saying that we will have to take, we're going to have to take a couple weeks off to get ourselves back to, to right the ship, Craig? I think we should because, you know, I, I really enjoy our lint listener interactions. Our linters? Our linter, a little, a little actors. <laughs> yes. Our listener interactions. Yes. And I feel that if we get too far ahead, our ability to appropriately respond to emails and voicemails will suffer greatly. I hear you. I do. And But we had told people, I think we said it last week too, just like as we get closer to the holidays, our schedules become kind of erratic and it's really tough to, to figure out scheduling for the both of us. I've started a new job at this point, so it's, it's going to get more difficult as we get closer to Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're not going to keep ahead of the schedule for this long it'll probably subside as we get into the next couple weeks and we'll kind of write that ship um yeah i think it'll within be great the next for you. few weeks it'll be really good for you in the sense of you'll have a new job and you won't have to worry about it you're like you know let's take some time off figure out how timing's going to work but no one will know that we took any time off because we got ahead of ourselves so far right exactly so we've i know by the time by the time so we're recording this on good god yeah we're recording this on november 14th so we're we're a solid three weeks away from the release of this. So yeah, and it it does feel like we're sort of not. I don't want to say disconnected, discombobulated from, from, from the listeners, but it does because then in my head I have to keep track of okay, when did we do a who's more likely? When did we do this? When when should I do another round of this? Because at this point we still haven't done another round of who's more likely. So it's been a couple weeks. See, that's another reason since we've that done screws that. us all up. So. So yeah, so there's that. I mean, I could definitely do another round of who's more likely right now, but then it gets very confusing as to like when we did the the poll results. But you know, we're going to be taking next week off anyway because we're going into Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, but even then, that'll put us two weeks ahead of schedule. So I think that will be very helpful. We'll be um, fine. Well, we'll I think we'll be fine. I'm not too too worried about it, Greg. Um, so let me ask you a question. So when you got back after I dropped you off, what was the uh, 
What the remainder of your day look like after so, I dropped you off on Sunday afternoon? So I got home, kind of got settled a bit. My, my wife wasn't around, um, but a new brewery was opening in town. It was actually Stars and Stripes, a veteran-owned and operated brewery that's opened down the street from my house. And as it was Veterans Day, yes, um, I went down there uh, for work. Uh, work for I, I work for the main brew bus. Yeah. So we do brewery tours, and, of course, we went down there to say hi and show our support for yet another brewery that's opened in Maine, bringing the tally to somewhere like 140 or something. It's ridiculous. State. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. There's so many breweries out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is that, is that with the kind of the remainder of your day? Yeah, I went down there for about an hour or so, then went back to the house and just did things, worked on the house a bit, you know, yeah. this and that, this and that. So it was pretty pretty chilled, pretty chill afternoon. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I did you? kind of more of the same. Um, hung out for a little while. I actually weirdly didn't have to work Sunday night, um, which is a rarity for me. Uh, so after that, my brother-in-law, his 41st birthday was that Sunday, yeah. this past Sunday. So we, we went down and we celebrated that with this new barbecue place in, um, in Portland. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, it's not a new place, but it's the, it's Ellesmere. It's, it's a, uh-huh. it's an offshoot of Ellesmere barbecue down in South Portland. So Very this nice. is a new friend. It's the new location and it was fantastic. You're you're fantastic. It was it was highly fantastic. Um, other than that, it was a pretty quiet afternoon slash evening, uh, wrapping up the week here at Target. My last day officially, as of this recording, will be Thursday tomorrow from eight to two, and then I will officially be only there for one day a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a glutton for punishment, I am working Black Friday six <laughs> six forty five a.m. to noon. Ew. So that. I, I think it's going to be fun. They have me on inventory, which is basically like stationed throughout the store where I'm going to be in charge of making sure that guests get what they need, helping guests with like, you know, TVs because we have a lot of mega deals going on with our televisions right now. So it sounds fun, David. I don't know. I wanted to do something early so that I would be home in more than enough time because we have a big uh, tradition that we set up for the house. We set the house up for Christmas the day after Thanksgiving, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how we do that every year. Cool. Uh, we're in the market for a new fake Christmas tree. Our the one <laughs> we have currently is pretty. Um, it's in real shitty shape. A hundred percent. Like it's just it's it's, it's starting, funny. It's for, starting to look really thin for something you know designed to only be used for a short amount of time every year. Uh, they don't last that long. Well, and this one we bought used already, so it was already it already had a couple of years under its belt, uh-huh. and it's lasted us quite a while. But there's, do you know how expensive yeah. fake Christmas trees are? Oh, it's fantastically stupid. Target sells them anywhere ranged from ninety dollars to five hundred dollars for a fake Christmas tree. Say that again: ninety dollars to five hundred dollars. Gregory, does that just make you sad? It does. But think about it: uh, if you bought a real tree. Yep. Um, you can spend upwards of $100 a piece on one. Absolutely. And how long does the average fake tree last? A couple of years. If you really maintain it and you keep it like yeah, almost shrink-wrapped every year so, so that nothing gets at it. That kind of evens out, Yeah, I guess. Because I usually spend, I mean, we would spend when we were buying real trees, 50 bucks, 40, 50 bucks for a tree. Yeah, that's about my limit. And by the time Christmas hit, depending on how early we bought it, we had one year where we bought the tree, and then by Christmas morning, you could literally just like blow on it, mm-hmm. and all the needles would just come falling, would, like, would completely fall off. That's the tree. pretty crazy. So there was a bad shape, and I know that your wife, I know, is Christy allergic to Christmas trees? Um, she's allergic to balsam. 
Oh, okay. So, uh, which is unfortunate because in the holiday season around Maine, everybody gets like those dried balsam needle pouches. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Balsam candles. And it, she can't be in a room with it. It'll like make her start choking and her eyes will get all watery and she has to leave. Yeah. So I grew up with the Christmas tree odor. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I don't have any more Christmas tree odor. But I think it's a fair trade uh, because my wife uh, isn't getting sick. That's so. Accurate. Do you do you like candles at least to give the? I, no, that makes her sick. Does too. it really? Yeah, everything. Real? Oh, I didn't realize that. She can handle it for a short amount of time, but after that, you can't yeah. have it in the house. Right. I feel like was it last year, or the year before? You put the tree out on the porch. Yeah, Did we got a real up tree, a real and put tree it on the porch. Yeah, which was fine. That was fine. It's actually a really cool idea. Um, I like that. That was actually the first real Christmas tree she had ever purchased. Really? Because yeah, she has been sick with her whole life. Did you put the gifts outside? Yeah, we put the gifts outside, and we opened them outside in the snow. Christmas, well, actually, that's right. It, it snowed last Christmas, didn't it? Did. it? On yeah. Christmas morning. Yeah. Christmas so you guys sat outside in the, on, the, on the deck in the snow. Uh-huh. Well, did the gifts survive, or were they, were they in really bad shape? Well, they were just empty boxes, because we spent all our money on the tree. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. Understandable. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so we've, we've done fake trees since we, I think we... So we moved here to Gorham like five years ago, and we've been doing a fake tree ever since. I just I don't like the hassle of a real tree. No, it's, it's just fun. too much. It's I mean, too it's much fun. effort. The smell is great, but it makes a mess, and then you got to get rid of it. And you know, you can burn it, I guess, but you should do it outside. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, and that's part of the reason why we are not getting a real tree this year. We had bandied about, but Lucy overheard a conversation that I was talking about about a friend's house. Unfortunately, it did not. The house didn't burn to the ground, but started a house fire mm. with a real tree because it was too close to the baseboards. Oh wow! And the tree wasn't catching water, so or it wasn't drinking, hmm. so it had died very quickly, and they didn't realize that until too late. And when it was, it was sitting right over the baseboard, and wow. it just heated up to the point where it just lit the ha- lit the tree on fire. That sucks. So we're not getting a real tree for a long time, uh-huh. and that's fine with me. <laughs> That's okay. Absolutely. I mean, we also have cats too, and they are assholes with Christmas trees. So I never had cats growing up, and they're they're dicks with a tree. They just climb them and do all kinds of dumb stuff. That's so. true. And your cats are kind of dinks about that anyway. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Hey, Greg. David. Do you uh, you want to talk about today's episode? Y- yes. C- can you remember today's episode? Did you see what I did there? I watched it last night. Can you remember it, or are you afraid you're going to have amnesia? I remember it in like big pictures. I watched moments. it less than three hours ago, and I took way too many notes. Oh, why? So, why did you do that? Because I'm a glutton for punishment once again. I didn't take again. any. They're all in my brain pan. That, but that's why you need me to keep going, because you won't remember where next, where each, <laughs> where each subsequent sequence yeah, goes. Yeah, I'll just ramble. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the episode where Michael got married to... No, that's not the right episode. Then we got married to Kit, and they drove off into the ocean, and Michael drowned. Was that the right? That's the episode? That's it. That's the one? Well, let's talk about I want to talk about that in a few minutes, because there's a, there's a specific line that Michael has. Michael was wearing a dress. He was wearing, he was wearing the wedding dress. That's the exact same scene. And Kit I'm- had a gigantic like top hat strapped to his hood. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Something like that? All right, Greg, are you ready for it? Nope. All right, so we're going to do it anyway. Mm. So here we go. It's Night Rider Season 1, Episode 13, Forget Me Not. Here's the deal. Okay. As my wife says on our other podcast, first of all, <sighs> Michael really thinks very highly of himself, doesn't he? 
Yes, it, and he's not um, subtle about that. Not, and it, it, I don't think it was, it's ever been so prevalent than in the opening of this episode, where he's so he's been tasked with basically being a bodyguard for the daughter of a South American. Well, actually, I don't even know if, if he's the president. He's like basically just like a he's a he's a South American leader. Yeah, and Michael has been tasked with being the bodyguard to this leader's daughter. Michael claims that they're living together. <laughs> However, this woman whose name is Marie insists to Michael that they're just working together. Well, we'll delve into those that relationship as we go along. Oh, will we ever? <laughs> but yes, I, I realized that Michael was actually indeed on a case or whatever you want to call it. They're cases, I suppose. Yeah something um but i didn't understand that until well into the episode no it took me yeah it was about 25 minutes in before i realized that michael was actually like this woman's bodyguard Mm. for whatever reason i don't know it was not very clearly explained you just know that so basically the idea is is that this woman marie her father is about to visit the united states however he's due to arrive a day early to attend one of his favorite things which is an equestrian show (laughs) Awesome. He's going to go watch some horse racing. Some horses, jumping thing, you know, the, the, the whole thing. Uh-huh. So the idea is is that there's a, a political rival named Rudy Del Fuego. <laughs> Good old Rude. Rude Rudes. We're going to call him Rudes from now on. <laughs> Rudy Del Rudes Del Fuego. He may or may not, Rudy, have hired an assassin to kill Marie's father, Eduardo. <laughs> okay. Um... And in and Michael spells it out pretty clearly. His job is to find the hired gun. His job is to find the assassin. Okay, basically. But he's watching the president's. But he's watching well, this um, this other the South American leader's daughter. Yeah, he's watching his daughter. But it opens up where the daughter is out. So they have this house, I guess, paid for by the foundation. Yes, I think Devin mentions that on the beach. Yeah, and the daughter is out scuba diving. Michael's like just throwing himself into a tux. Yeah, and he's getting dressed, and the the daughter comes in, and she's got like a harpoon gun, and they make it all look like she's gonna shoot him. Right. And he's like, "Hey, where have you been? You know, it's pretty hard to protect you if if you keep disappearing." But he's just like putting his suit on. He's like, "Do do 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 do." Right. Doesn't give a shit. Right. And she clearly doesn't care either. No, absolutely not. Like, and he says that he he makes the comment that they're living together, and she's like, "No, no, no." No, we're only working together. Okay. So if that's how you think of it. <laughs> I'm Michael Knight. <laughs> it's exactly the sentiment behind that. <laughs> and like so she she's very clear, but I love that she thinks they're working together, but Michael has been tasked with protecting her, and it's not very clear as to why he has to protect her because I yeah. you never got the sense that Marie was in danger from Del Fuego at any point during the episode. Exactly. No no sense whatsoever. But not just that. So Michael is getting dressed to go out to a party that's at, is it Del Fuego's house? It or is, yeah. At Del, wherever Del Fuego is staying. He's hosting a party, and I, we assume that it's his house, which is right. Like right up the street. So Michael is going to go leave Maria. Yep. She's gonna, he's going to leave her that he's supposed to be protecting to go crash del fuego's party and get some information about whatever about see if you can figure out who the assassin is that's 80s talk for um break into a room with your little mini camera and take pictures of very um 
uh, random files on a desk. Of course. <laughs> that's that's kind of what they're talking about. I'll take a picture of this. Oh, that's a, that's a coupon to Brooks Brothers. I'll take a photo of that. Of that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, oh, there's, oh, there's a coupon there. A lot of coupons. Coupons to Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Oh, pizza, pizza, uh, pizza Express. McDonald's. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, oh, oh look at that. Half-eaten egg, half egg McMuffin in this drawer. Oh, In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, right. So I want, <laughs> speaking of burgers, I wonder if there are any burgers in here. <laughs> Oh, look at that. There's a double cheeseburger. He just in his drawer. pocketing all the, 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 the hamburger joint coupons. <laughs> in his pocket. So apparently Del Fuego's a big burger guy. He gets so. back and, and tells Devin, it's like, okay, okay, Michael, what have you gotten? And he gives him like all the negatives. These are all photos of coupons. Yeah, right. I mean, we all like burgers, don't we? <laughs> Michael, you were tasked with a very simple job. You need to find out who the assassin is. No, these are coupons, and they expire next week. We have to use these. Del Fuego was just going to leave them there. I mean, he what is he, a savage? Come on. <laughs> so I love this scene, though. So right as Michael's pulling up, the valet goes, walks up to the car, tries to get in, and Michael's like, actually, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to go ahead and park this myself. And the valet's like, oh, no, no, don't, don't you worry about that, sir. We can take care of it. I understand that, sir, but this is, the car's been making some funny noises. I'm just, I, I'd feel more comfortable if I parked it. So Michael parks the car, and the valet gets pissed Yeah, that Michael will not allow him to drive his car, because the guy assumes that Michael just doesn't want to pay the valet. Mm. And yep. so what the valet decides to do is box Kit in. So he pulls a car behind Kit and then pulls three cars up in front of Kit, mm-hmm. bumper to bumper to bumper, yeah, just to, blocking Kit just in. Just to be an asshole, he's like, some guys just don't want to pay for anything. I'll show him. Seriously. Like, what, what the fuck, dude? Maybe we should hire a different valet company. So put a pin in that because that comes into play uh, in a couple minutes into this episode. So we're at Del Fuego's party after Michael has taken all these photos and this and that, and he runs into, into a blonde, a blonde woman. Very beautiful, very beautiful blonde uh, named Mickey. Got some serious Penny Parker vibes off of Mickey for most of the episode. And for those who have not followed us from uh, MacGyver, Penny Parker was a recurring character in MacGyver who very kind of bubbly, you know, yeah. out- outgoing, really friendly, but also um, a little dim in some aspects. Yes. MacGyver has always sort of referred to her throughout his the series as just like just like the si- like a sister like a sister figure. Yeah. Somebody's really close to but never really that romantically involved. Right. Um in 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 Penny Parker. Romantically entangled. Yes, indeed. Uh but not Mickey. Mickey boo. What do you say about Mickey? I don't know why Mickey was there in the first place. Let's put it that way. We never figure that out. Right, because literally within seconds of Michael introducing himself and she to him, she's like, I just, I think that glass of champagne really wasn't sitting well with me. I, I think I'm going to go upstairs and lay down. And he, she goes upstairs to any room in the house, but nope, she passes out in Del Fuego's room under the coats. Right, like hides, <laughs> not deliberately hiding, but like hides in his his private room yeah. after michael downstairs was trying to sneak into the del fuego's office to take all his pictures right he got thwarted by the bodyguard a few times um that's where he met uh mickey downstairs in the line in the queue for the bathroom yes um and yeah because michael gave her champagne outside i guess as a distraction so that del fuego wouldn't recognize him or see i don't know I guess like stumbled into her gave her a big old kiss out of the blue and here's some champagne yep yeah 
Um, Champagne's making me sick. I'm gonna go lay down, and then she passes out under the coats. Yeah. So if if you're if you're invited to somebody's house and you don't know where to go lie down, I I'm just gonna assume I'm gonna go into their their house into their room yeah. and sleep in their own bed under all the coats that from the party. Yep. Don't just find like a couch in you know people will be okay with that. Yeah. No, find his room. Oh, but she's all cuddly with all these different coats, like all the different smells from all the different people, and she just really feels at home. She likes you know being in touch with humanity and just sleeping under all these people's coats. I- unless I, unless I didn't see it very well, and Del Fuego just has this big furry blanket. I couldn't tell it looked like coats, but maybe it was just like a giant mink blanket. I'm going to say, judging by his name, Del Fuego, he has has a gigantic mink bed sheet and and mirrors on the ceiling. Well, that goes without saying. And all of his lampshades are like that kind of weird amber color from the 70s. Yes. So everything's kind of this amber glow. Um, he gets a black light. Oh no, you don't want a black light in there. You don't want a black light one nope. one bit. Nope, you don't need you don't need any of that. No, <laughs> you don't want any of that. <laughs> no way. Um, so shockingly, Del Fuego decides that he's going to have a private meeting in his room mm. with his assistant Dave Burns, Big Dave B, <laughs> BDB, who really serves no purpose than to deliver the goods later on in the episode. I guess so. Um. So they're basically discussing the assassination in his room, not knowing that Mickey is under the mink blanket. But like pretty open and just whatever. Yeah, so you're just going to kill this guy, blah, blah, blah. I need to do it because all, every, all my, you know, my fortune is basically on credit. Um, yep. So I need to get this guy out of the picture so that I can actually make money. Because I guess uh, this dignitary is going to do something, make this guy pissed off. I don't know. Yeah, Del Fuego is going to piss off Eduardo... So he needs to get Eduardo out of the picture, so he hires a, the assassin. The, yeah. fr- the Frenchman, as we come to learn in a little while. All right. <laughs> um, not before they get up to leave, is it Del Fuego that sees her foot? Yeah, like he sees like her leg, because like, he's wearing a skirt, so she sees, he sees like the bottom of her, her, th- her, her calf. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, there's a person under here. Flips the, all the flips this gigantic six-inch th- Thick mink blanket out of the way that's she's, stuffed with like horse hair. She's dead because she's been under that mink blanket for so long that it yeah. kind of just cut off the circulation. And to he her just body. goes, "Damn, <laughs> another one!" But basically, she, she like Son immediately, of a bitch. <laughs> another one. I gotta get some lighter blankets. But she, just, yeah, she basically wakes up and's like, "Oh hi, hi, I didn't. I just fell so I fell asleep. It's so comfortable, right? I didn't hear anything. Of course she didn't, and." They don't knock her out, but they basically. But they do, though. Do how do they knock her out? I don't know. It's not on camera. Oh, and, okay. And that's so why it okay. cuts back, and it shows like there's the next shot where like his bodyguard, Del Fuego's bodyguard, is carrying Mickey down the stairs, and she's unconscious. That's right. So I don't know what they did. And they just throw her into the backseat of the car and drive right. away, right? Exactly. And uh, but Michael sees like the tail end of that, of course, because he's kind of snooping around. Yeah. And sees them stuffing her in a car. Um, and does he get confronted by Del Fuego? Somehow he gets in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not yet, because no? he radios to Kit to come and get him out of the, they, they gotta, they gotta give chase. And Kit says, oh, I'll be there in a minute. Just, just give me, give me a few seconds. And he knows he's boxed in. So what does he do? But pushes the three cars out of the way with little to no issue. Right. 
doesn't destroy, do any damage to his alpha circuits, pushes them out of the way, no problem, drives up to Michael and says, I would have been here sooner, but you didn't tip the valet. Yeah. And then Mike they drive throws away. it back at Michael. Of course he does. He's like, Kit, where are you? Come on, buddy. You know, Michael, if you actually paid for this, none of this shit would have happened, you cheapy bastard. Right, exactly. And I love the valet's just completely shocked. Yeah, just like, like, wait, what? What is happening? I don't understand how that could happen. Um, So Kit turns on his tracking mode, (laughs) which is just a screen of the Atari racing game that we saw from, like, way back at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And it's just like a little car, but it's like doing the same maneuvers that the car that they're tracking is doing. So, like, when when the little race car, like goes like left to the right uh-huh. the car up in front of them like kind of like swerves around because at this point mickey has woken up and is trying to escape and right. she's like attacking the guys in the front they're swerving all over the road and you see the little video game car like swerving back and, and forth Michael's on the like, road whoa what's this because he deliberately hung back so that they wouldn't get seen right and kids like look like they're having a problem michael's like all right let's go in let's go get them and so he finally like because he was trying to keep his distance yeah. For a majority of this chase, but when he realized that something bad was happening, he comes like right up next to the car, um, but not before he sees Mickey um, bail. <laughs> she lets herself out of the back seat, falls out of the car at 80 miles an hour. Over a cliff. Yep, and falls down rocks and sticks and stuff, much like Derek did in, in Dead Alive. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't land on a big pile of seagulls. Right. She just ended up at the bottom of this hill. Yeah, and a, yeah, un- completely unconscious, and uh, Michael catches up to them, but stop, basically, like, when he catches them, realizes that Mickey's not in the car, and he actually, as they, they drive away, Michael turns around and goes back to the, the cliff because yeah. he wants to go down and try to save Mickey. Right. So he repels down the mountainside, as you do. <laughs> oh, because he happens to have, he's still wearing his tux. He has his dress pants and his, 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 uh, his dress shirt on. Yep. He puts on like a big harness, uh, attaches to Kit's winch in the front of the car, <laughs> where Kit's like, this isn't intended for this, Michael. But I think I'll do it if you're willing to. Yeah, he's like, like my, what do you say? My winch apparatus was not designed for mountain climbing. Right. It's like, okay, so Michael, he's got to be what a buck eighty five. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe two hundred pounds. Maybe with all the equipment. Right. But sure. And that's not designed for that. For basically just holding Michael in place. But he can pull a tractor with no problem. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Michael repels down on Kit's rope or whatever, gets down and finds Mickey knocked out on the ground. Yeah. And she's not dead. And he goes, boy, you're lucky, girl. <laughs> and then proceeds to kind of lift her up. And doesn't he tie her, basically? He, like, heaves her onto his back. Right. And tells Kit to start pulling them up. So Kit starts winching them up. And the, my, my, my comparison is he was like um, in Princess Bride. He was like Fezzik. Pulling up everybody up the cliffs of insanity. Yes. He was like that with this girl on his back and Kit's like pulling him up the steep cliff. And then you see smoke start coming up from under under Kit's front end. And he's like, Michael, the winch is overheating. I have to cool it down. And he's he like, just, what the f- and what? He just, and he just stops yeah. and leaves Michael hanging there. But then Michael just pulls himself up the rest of the way. And as he gets to the top, Kit goes, all right, it's cooled down. I'm ready now. And Michael's like, oh, are you? Are you? <laughs> Are you are you ready? Yeah, yeah, Dick. So Kit apparently can't witch, w- witch winch Michael and a girl up a cliff on his winch. 
but towing that towing that tractor from the water lines and the pi- the water pipes mm. that was fine of course that's absolutely no well, problem well he did that whatsoever. with a harpoon so if he shot a harpoon through michael and the girl <laughs> he would have been able to pull them up but not on the winch just taking Marie's harpoon gun that she walked into the house with at the beginning of the episode. Right, right. Kit's like, I got my own one. Look at this. <laughs> well, he does have a harpoon gun, though. He has a grappling hook. Oh, shit, you're right. But it comes out the back, but, I mean, Kit is so, ambidextrous. He could so throw it to the other side. His winch, like, stops like it did, and then he spins around and <laughs> fires the grappling hook and, like, n- grabs Michael, like... <laughs> Tra- but he, he misses every up. vital organ, but he has Michael ends up in the hospital for six months of recovery. Know, Michael, <laughs> I was looking after your well-being. I knew how to get to you without let, without having you die. Yeah, you did great, kid. <laughs> You're going to need to get me to a hospital. <laughs> M- Mickey, not so much. He just like releases Mickey, sends her back down the ravine because she's clearly <laughs> dead. <laughs> we got to go to the hospital. <laughs> okay, Michael. Can you get yourself in the car? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Even like Kit somehow ties Michael to the hood of the he car. Just, he just slowly drags him like 20 miles to a hotel, or to a hotel, <laughs> to a hospital. 15 miles an hour, Kit's just like, and Michael's, this entire back is shredded. Oh. He has no skin left on Oh, his- no. Oh, Michael. We can't let that happen to Michael. No. He's okay, guys, because what happens next is they get back to the condo that Marie's been just waiting for Michael at, because right. she's been instructed to, and... When when Mickey wakes up, she realizes, or Michael realizes very quickly that she's she has amnesia. Of course she does. Of course she does. She 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 goes full on MacGyver. She can't remember who she is. She can't remember where she's from, what she's doing, why she was in the backseat of the car, why she was at the party. She remembers nothing. Marie doesn't trust her initially. Doesn't Marie's the one who's like, well, she's probably working for. This is all just like I think she thinks it's all just a ruse, right? Initially, to get her her father to kill her father. Um, I just want to make a point. So right now we have Michael, yes, Marie, yes, and Mickey, yes, all in a house together. That's right. We do the three M's, the triple M's. Gonna triple M, (laughs) triple M it. Gonna go, gonna go triple M. (laughs) Michael, Mickey, and Marie all together in a house. Uh, Michael has a mission to protect Marie, but now that Mickey's there, he's worried about her and her amnesia because someone was definitely trying to kill her, but he has no idea why. And he basically followed Mickey and blew off his mission to find out who the assassin was yeah. to protect Marie's father. Yeah. It's a hot and, woman. And he, of course, he invites, well, I don't know about invites, but Devin and Bonnie show up. Yes. Um, they put out a bowl and they all throw their keys in it. And then they one by one start picking out keys, right? And uh, but what they don't realize is how that the party ends. That Devin has somehow switched all of the keys out for his, so all the keys go to Devin's place. Because <laughs> that's just the type of man Devin is. <sighs> yeah, he is. Even Michael, <laughs> he even gave Michael his key. Uh, Devin, I'm not so sure I'm comfortable with this. That's uh, all right, Michael. You take come the right. key. <laughs> okay. Oh, all, all, all right. All right. Just go easy. <laughs> Kit's outside in the driveway. I know what it's like to be alone. <laughs> he just he just backs into the garage. And the garage door shuts. <laughs> He's like, I want nothing. You ain't gonna get me as part of this shit. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um. So Del Fuego basically has said, "Are you sure she's dead?" Like, because when they saw when they saw Mickey go over, they just assumed. That she was dead because they saw her body at the bottom of the cliff. They're like, oh, no, no, she's clearly dead. We saw her go over. There's no way she could have survived that. And Del Fuego's like, okay, but if she's not dead, like, that's bad news. So you guys need to go out there 
and and finish finish the job. Yeah. So go out there, go look at the bottom of the cliff, and if she's still down there, not dead, right? Dead her. Yeah. Make, yeah. Make her dead her. <laughs> dead her. Make her dead her. So what do they do? They go out in the middle of the night, pull off, pull up to the cliffside, and they're like, they get out and they're like, oh, there's no way we're gonna get down here in the dark. Let's come back during the day with a boat. Right. Yeah. And when it's bright, but why don't you just come back in your car? Right. Like, yeah, they're like, let's just come back in the daytime in our boat. And it's not even a good boat. It's a shitty little pontoon boat. No, and it's like super windy and choppy, (laughs) and they're like driving up. (laughs) But also that's the thing, like, if she if she is still there the next morning, how remote is it down there? How remote is that beach? Like this girl could just be lying down there <laughs> right. dead or unconscious for now at least what, eighteen hours? Yeah. <laughs> these these are not good crooks. So we have a very quick scene at the the setup of the equestrian show and we see we see a guy pull up with a trailer behind him and we assume that this is the assassin. We don't know who he is yet, but we just see him get out of his truck, he goes into the trailer and like he puts a briefcase of something like under a set of blankets mm. like kind of keeps it there leaves the trailer and locks it and goes i also i just want to make clear that it is a horse trailer yes oh that, yes that is being towed by an a white el camino was it an el camino yes Oh, yes. At least I think it was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how many pickup cars exist? I don't know. That's Anybody out there know? You can tell us. I'm going to look this up to see if it, I think you're right. It was the El Camino. Um, so, but it was very, it's like, it makes sense. It's an equestrian track, but it's also funny that he pulls up on the track. Yeah. Well, he's got the trailer, so yeah. people probably think there's a horse in the back. Maybe. <laughs> I guess so. Or not. Hey, buddy, maybe you should uh, open those doors and give your horse some uh, air in there. No, no, he's fine. Oh, all right. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. That uh, El Camino and that, that horse trailer been sitting out there in the hot sun for five days. Is your horse okay? Yep. Yeah, oh, no. No, he's fine. He doesn't need ventilation. <laughs> Are you, are you sure? Like it's it's been it's been a scorching hot these last couple of days. I know horses. Do you know horses? I know my horse. He doesn't need water. We, he doesn't need air. You're right. It was a '78 El Camino. Okay, awesome. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, so basically, now Michael has taken his job. He's forgotten that he has to protect Marie, and now his job is to help Mickey remember who she was and who this assassin was. Before he makes the attempt on Eduardo's life. So in order to help her remember, he gets out a big, big jug of Crisco and starts to rub it all over his body. Let's it get melty and just start jiggling it in front of her. <laughs> does, this, does this jog your memory? I don't understand what you're trying to do. He's like, the, the Crisco is just like lapping up over the sides all over. <laughs> does this do anything? Does this jog your memory? <laughs> it's getting really violent. <laughs> Answer me! <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> Michael vigorously shaking some Crisco. <laughs> <sighs> this helps me get into my wetsuit. <laughs> Michael, it's the dead of winter. That's why I need to wear my wetsuit. Okay. Can we can we move on, Michael? Can I just pour this Crisco? <laughs> yep, there we go. What is wrong with us? I'm not sure. Okay. We got very quiet. So Mickey, she seems to remember that there were two men, and she she has a very like a very clear memory of her falling. 
and that's really all she can remember at this point. So it was like it seems like these memories and these these whatever the whatever's coming into her brain is they're very short lived. So she remembers two men, and she remembers the sensation of falling, mm. and that's all she can do. And so Michael's now taking it upon himself to help her figure out what's going on before the assassin kills Marie's dad. Um, and Mickey says, "Well, you know, I think I had a purse." I definitely, you know, no, I, I think I did have a person. So, so Michael was like, oh, I'll, I'll go look for it. I'll do that. I'm just going to leave you two here, one of whom I've been hired to protect. I'm, I'm going to go back to the beach yeah, but, and, and check for the purse. But um, um, Maria, Marie, Maria, Marie, Marie, um, Devin's there and Bonnie's there. Right. And um, she's, doesn't she get angry or is it, is it Mike, Mickey? God damn it. Mickey that gets angry. I think Mickey does. She's like, I understand what you have to do, but blah blah blah. Yeah, and then I think she leaves her with Bonnie, and she says, "Oh no, no, Bonnie will take a like." She right. kind of like puts Bonnie, right? Okay. He put she he puts Bonnie in in Mickey's care. Like Mickey is going to be taken care of by Bonnie. So Bonnie is in Mickey's care. Mickey is Mickey in is Bo- in Bonnie's care, dude. Yes, Mickey is in Bonnie's care. Yes. Um. Now this is a sad scene. So Michael and Kit are driving to the scene of the crime, and. Michael starts like waxing nostalgia about his old vehicles. Yeah. And you can tell there's a hint of jealousy in the car, like in Kit. Kit's yeah. just like I he's like, I can't be jealous, Michael. Or like he doesn't say that specifically, but he's like, Why would you want any other car? You know. He's like, Right, could could a car calculate this? Could a car do all this and that and blah blah blah? He's like, No, but we sure had some good times cruising around. And I can't remember I can't remember what the car was, but he's like, Oh man, I remember my first car. It's like a fifty eight uh, blah, like, blah blah. Yeah, he's like, Oh what a ride. That car was just beautiful ever. Yeah. And Kit's just like Huh. All right. Well, all right, Michael. I I appreciate your honesty. Like it was so, just really yeah, upsetting. <laughs> this definite this definite hint of jealousy. You know, like Michael talking about ex-girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I love you, Kit, but man, I had some good times with with. Was my- he purposely doing that just to be a dink? Do you no, think I was- think Michael was just legitimately being happy and talking about his past. Yeah. Um, he probably doesn't get the opportunity to do that much. Right, because he was talking to Kit, and like Kit's like, how many how many times can you do this with a car? Like, talk to people. or talk, Right. Talk to car. Right. Talk to cars. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a funny scene. It kind of washed over me kind of quick, but I'm like, I think Kit's kind of jealous of Michael's other cars. I agree. Absolutely. So Michael and Kit, they arrive at the mountaintop and realize it. So he see, I, I don't know if he sees the purse, but anyway, he repels back down the yeah, mountain. He, goes, he repels back down again in the same like fr- like pain in the ass way. Right. And then finds the purse. There's her purse right down there. At the same time that Tweedledink and Tweedledum arrive on their boat. On their freaking boat and just hold Michael at gunpoint. like, hey, like something about purse. Where'd you get that purse? I'm going to take that purse. And Michael's like, good, it's your mom's or something like that. Yeah. Says something flippant. No, he makes a comment about how it's not a good look for him. And he goes, it's my mother's. That's right. It's my mother's. And he radios Kit for help at this point, and Kit just launches himself <laughs> off the side of the cliff and lands down at the beach. And I like this because Michael thought he was going to get the upper hand, but he doesn't. And he mm. gets knocked out and he smashes his head on a rock when he falls. And then after the bad guy, Kit kind of like put drives over one of the guy's guns because he drops it and breaks into pieces. Yeah. Dro- runs up over, uh, what's her name, Mickey's purse so yep. the guy can't grab it. Those two bad guys, the, the bodyguard and the other la- lackey, run off onto the boat and take off. Yeah. 
and Michael kind of wakes up after being knocked on the head and immediately gets into Kit and starts driving yep. on the beach. Yes. Leaving Mickey's purse behind. I thought they were going to forget it. Me too. I really did. He starts cruising down a road on the beach. I'm like, you know what? If there's a freaking road on this beach and Michael decided to rappel down twice instead of using the road, Michael's an idiot. Yeah. Um, but-, but they run out of... A run out of road, and they see the boat burning off onto the into the distance on the bay. Yeah, and Michael has a great little line, and he says, "Don't worry, kid. I'll talk to Bonnie about getting pontoons." I'm like, "Could you see a submersible aquatic kit?" Well, I I was worried. I don't know. Was it the last episode where Bonnie was pulling seaweed out of kids' hood compartment? Yes, or engine compartment. Yeah, I thought, well, maybe this would be, and especially if they shot the episodes out out of order or aired them out of order. Like maybe Michael did pursue them. I was expecting like some kind of like, um, you know, C Lab twenty 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 one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like brr, drive a car under there. Yeah. Under the sea. It was the plush ride episode, right? Where yeah. he's no. So actually, so a plush ride was fifth in production order. Okay. Whereas this one was the twelfth in production order. So there was a huge gap. Yeah, really. Between these episodes, which I find very interesting. Um. But yeah, so he gets back to the house, uh, the condo, and there's a key. They find a key in the purse, but Mickey's just like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I have no idea what this key goes to. Like, wh- what am I supposed to do with this? How is this supposed to help? <laughs> useless. Right, exactly. Mickey is useless, but she has amnesia, but she's useless. Right. She's still, even when she gets her memory back, she doesn't do much to help. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. So Devin, in all of his wisdom and prowess, <laughs> has come up with three potential people who could potentially be the assassin. Except nobody knows if the assassin is a male or a female. Oh, no! What? And Mickey gets a flash. We don't actually see the flash, but she she gets a quick memory back and was like, you know, I remember that the men that I was with were talking about a Frenchman. That's all I remember. Frenchman? Right. And and, uh, was it Devin that basically was like, oh, this is great. Now all we have to do is find the Frenchman's aliases. Okay. Sure. Okay, good for you, man. Okay, Devin, you get cracking on that. You you go ahead and you figure that out, and then Mickey once again like gets another like memory flash, and she's like, Joe Joe Palmer, I was engaged to a man named Joe Palmer. He'll remember who I am. And then Michael's just like leaves again. Uh, yep, <laughs> to like, follow this guy that burns the assistant right with the key as a key. He takes the key right. Yeah, he, he falls. God, so I am like. This God, this show just like mixed me all up. Like I know what's going on, but there's so many straggling bits all over the place, right? That I'm just getting confused about who's doing what and what's happening. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I know. So Michael basically, yeah. So Michael leaves and he wants to go follow Del Fuego's assistant. He's like, he's got a hunch. He's got a hunch that something, something else is going on. So he's gonna, he's gonna try to follow this up. So he and Kit hit the road, and he has Kit make him a promise <laughs> while they're driving. And he says, promise me that we're going to cruise a hamburger joint someday. <laughs> and Kit's like, if, if we must. Just like, I know. What a weird lot. Like- well, it's because Michael was waxing nostalgic about, we've used that phrase a lot, waxing nostalgic about his old cars and cruising hamburger joints. Oh, yes, that's right. Picking up birds. So he wants, he wants Kit to promise that one day they'll, they'll cruise a hamburger joint together. So like in a couple of years, Michael's going to be the old man cruising like the, the, I don't know, hamburger joint. The the clucking hen. What's the MacGyver? Chicken habit. The chicken habit. <laughs> Cruising the chicken habits. And then Peter Gibson's going to come up and scream at him. Shut up! And then Dick Buttkiss is going to show up with a shovel and smash the chicken habit. Done. 
Oh, I want to watch that episode again. I know, right? It's a great episode. <laughs> so, so they follow they follow Burns, the assistant, uh, who he stop. They see him stop, gets out of his car, and he throws just like a duffel bag into a dumpster. Mm-hmm. And Michael's just like, Kit's like, should we go? Should we go see what it is? And he's like, nope, nope. We're gonna keep our distance. We're just gonna sit right here and we're gonna watch it. And we get this quick scene of Mickey in the phone book calling all the Joe Palmers in the phone book to try to see if any of them trigger a memory and so far she's cast off like four or five of them and not one of them remembers who yeah. who this who she is but she has the tv on in the background and it's some shitty soap opera yeah and then she hears a name right a name is said on the tv show is this where she hears the name at this point or is I, it a little bit I a think few she minutes hears in it there i think she, i don't even know no, it's when she sees. Well, we'll get there in a second. What is going on? I have. I can't even get this no, shit in order. We'll get there in a second. So, so we cut back to Michael and Kit, and they see a guy dressed like a hobo ah. reach into the dumpster, and he pulls the duffel bag out, and then Michael and Kit sort of follow him, but they lose him because he goes into a hotel, and they lose him pretty quickly. But at this point, Michael Kit has pulled up all of the aliases. That the Frenchman could potentially have from his database of Frenchman aliases. Of course. Of How course. did he cross-reference that? I don't know. I don't know how he did that. This is pre-internet. How do you get any of this information? It's like, it's like a list of like eight names, and Kit Michael's like, "All right, way to go, Kit." Well, they're all anagrams of each other, and I just all I did is cross-reference the numeric code between my alpha circuit and the tangent, so cosine, and average. Exactly what he said. Percentage, and there we go. What a dink. Yeah, and he's like, all right, Kit, that looks great. Way to go. Nice job. And so one of the names that shows up is a name, uh, Philip Gerard. Philip Gerard. Which, well, and we'll get to this in a second because this is a pretty pretty lucky moment here. Philip Gerard Depardieu? Yes. Yes. He's a very well, well, well-known, well respected actor in France. Um, and an assassin. So this makes me sad because this is the point where Mickey now calls the police mm. to ask if she's gone missing. Has anyone reported me missing? Right. And Has the it... cop just laughs at her. No, I am serious. Has <laughs> anyone reported a Mickey missing? A missing Mickey? Anybody? Right. He's like, no, it is real. And the cop just hangs up on her. Awful. <laughs> you feel so bad for I her. I know, and she point. crumples down on the floor and gets all sad. And this is the point where she sees, she turns around to the soap opera and realizes that She's on the television in the soap opera, mm. and like all these memories start coming back, and she realizes that she's remembering her character's life. She's apparently a soap opera actress, right? That's where the name came from. the The name, uh, the Joe Palmer, Joe Palmer. Her character on the show is engaged to Joe Palmer, so right. she's remembering the, her character's life, but not her actual life. That's that's traumatic that's tragic she's like oh my god that's who i am i'm an actress and then you watch a scene on the soap opera <laughs> it was her, the worst and it was bad. So bad and she's like i'm a pretty good actress too it was a sl- it was all you saw was this slap but it was the worst staged slap i've ever seen it was just like it's like a really sl- oh I'm a, oh i'm a good actress too. i'm a good actress too. okay i'll you keep thinking that mickey i'm you- such a good actress how many emmys do you have but I'm a good actress. <laughs> so here's where we get the old Michael Knight, the old Michael Knight luck charm here. So he goes to the hotel and he walks in and there's no one at the desk and he reaches over and he, and he pulls a card and shockingly pulls Phil Gerard's card. Yeah. 
Like, really lucky pull. Like, I have no idea how he did that. Like, he just leaned over, grabbed the right... I, I don't know. I, so that's the thing. It's like, did he know that he was looking for Philip Gerard's name? Because I couldn't tell if it was alphabetical. Right. So anyway, he, he grabs the card, right? Gets the room number, whatever number it was. It was like 719, I think. Sure. Yeah. Rings the, the front desk bell, and the, the clerk walks up. Like, looks like he doesn't give a shit about his job. Clearly not. <laughs> Saunters up, doesn't have any lines. Michael's like, I locked my key in my room again. This always happens when I'm in a hurry. Could I get another 719 or whatever the room right. was? And the, the guy, the front desk guy, just gives him a key. Exactly. Now, if the real Philip Gerard, Philip Gerard Depardieu runs up and just, because Michael kind of chased him there, um, Shouldn't the front desk clerk have known that he was there, or maybe he didn't have to check in or, or go? You know, I would assume that Michael's showing up just after the real Philip Gerard shows up. Might have triggered something in in, in the front desk clerk, right. or seen him walking by. He's and like, like, "Wait, seven nineteen? He's like, "You were just down here, and you yeah. don't look like the guy who took." You're like a foot taller, right? And you're not French. No, this guy clearly didn't give a shit about his job. No, I liked him a lot. It just handed him the extra key. I think I think he should get an extra award. You think the the yeah okay non speaking role award for th- this episode? I think that's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think? Do you think? I can't even picture it. Could we see like below his waist? No, we only saw him from the waist up. I wonder if he didn't have any pants on. I would believe that he probably didn't, since he didn't care at all yeah. about what he was doing. But like socks and garters, but no pants. D- and and yeah. it's like his hotel outfit. Absolutely. Jacket. So Michael goes up to the room and he puts the key in, and we see Gerard. In the hotel room, like freaking out because somebody's trying to get into his room. Mm-hmm. Michael opens the door, goes in. There's no one there, but he sees the lit cigarette in the ashtray, realizing that someone was just in there. Runs out to the balcony, like looks over the side, doesn't see anybody there. There's no one in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think Devin makes the comment, well, he, they told you he was good. So like he clearly is a master of invisibility because he disappeared really fast. He's just under the bed. Michael didn't even look. You're right. He didn't. He ran out to the balcony and then left. And went, darn it. And left. Son of a bitch. But and then immediately went back outside the kit and was like kind of flustered. Yeah. Didn't return the key. Nope. Didn't give the key what back to the, to the pantsless clerk. Um, <laughs> kit got a phone call while Michael was upstairs on the comm link. So whoever it was left a voicemail for Michael. I think it's funny that now all of a sudden Kit can get messages on comm links. Yes. When previous episodes Kit couldn't make phone calls. Yep. Like Michael had to use pay phones. Right. But this episode was the fifth in production order. Yeah, but other episodes that have been that were filmed afterwards had Michael on payphones. Yep, yep. It's just whenever they feel like doing this, <laughs> whenever they feel like utilizing this piece of it, piece of information, and the message on there is is from Mickey, who basically tells Michael, "Oh, I've decided I'm going to go home. I know who I am so now." Clearly, yeah, clearly, whatever happened on that television was enough for her all of her memories to come flooding back. She's like, "I know who I am now. I'm going to go home." And of course, Michael pays no mind to the woman he was hired to protect and follows Mickey back to her house. Of course, he does. I assume that Kit was able to get the address based on the phone number or wherever she was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey arrives home only to be kidnapped immediately by Gerard. Of course, <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course, of course she, she does. What the hell? I mean, how else would you do that? Go home. My story's over. I'll see you later, Michael. Thanks for all the fun. Right. Well, what I love about it is then in the literal next scene, Michael arrives and within seconds takes out Gerard, takes Mickey, and leaves. <laughs> right. Right. I know. <laughs> they, oh. They both was... get in the car together and take off. Right. And then we see Gerard 
30 seconds later, arrive at the equestrian show, get into his trailer, and begin setting up his weapons to assassinate Eduardo, who right. has now arrived at the equestrian show. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's like, it's just an equestrian show. It's nothing crazy. Right. It's just jumping. It's like a horse track. And Michael needs to figure out, like, he's like, he doesn't know where Gerard went, which is funny because he could have just asked or maybe beat the information out of him but mickey's like oh you know i do seem to remember them talking about um um oh what is it a a a pedestrian show and michael's like you mean you mean equestrian show yeah that's it the equestrian show (laughs) (laughs) oh you stupid idiot all i can think of now is what would a pedestrian show be like? Now, it's either we can take that two ways. <gasps> pedestrian as in kind of bland. So it could just be a pedestrian show, like kind of boring, <laughs> like people whittling or like, yeah, I don't know. I'd watch pe- people whittle. People folding white paper into no shapes, just folding paper. Or just people sitting at tables staring at each other. Right. But a pedestrian show, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a whole crowd of people just milling around. Yeah. Well, the equestrian show was rather pedestrian, actually. In its, yeah. In its <laughs> the pedestrian equestrian show? Yes, exactly. That it's not really, it's kind of everyday banality <laughs> of the pedestrian show. I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so... They realize that, and they get they get running really fast. There's a one point. There's a huge. There's a hell of a jump that Kit makes as they're like racing towards the equestrian show. Well, because he yeah. jumps like four cars. Well, because Michael realizes what's going on, and and then and uh, the the assassin starts taking off shots at what's his name. I don't even care about the character. He starts name. taking shots at Eduardo. <laughs> what? What did I say? He starts. Taking shards at <laughs> That's a not what I said. That's not what I said, was it? It's totally what I heard. He's sh- he's just firing shard blasts at Eduardo. He starts firing shots at Eduardo. And they take they they run and like they they all take cover. Um which now this this part of the episode redeemed most of the ridiculousness. <laughs> so what transpires now after Michael and Kit arrive, and they don't just arrive, they drive and bomb right onto the fairgrounds. I know, and drive over the equestrian show, knocking horses out of the way, <laughs> jockeys all over the place. It's a, it's it's a freaking bloodbath. No, so no, but, but they, Michael has immunity. We have to assume at this point, of course, he could do whatever he wants. And you can't arrest Kit. He doesn't. He's an inanimate right, object. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so they're driving down, and they're driving straight towards the horse trailer where the assassin's in. Because I think Kit picked up the heat signature. Yeah, he's like, I picked up a, a signature of a man and a weapon. Right. From, like, hundreds and hundreds of, of feet you away. Did. Not Not all of the horses around here. No. no. I focused in on the one man on the horse trailer with a weapon. Of course I was did. looking specifically for that. <laughs> fits the, fits the mold, it. fits the description perfectly. I love it. I love it. You know what would be even better is now that... Kit has that program that he can um he can generate images based off of descriptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if based off the information that Kit's getting, he tries to like make his own image like of whatever. So it's like it's like he's like there's a man in here with a gun. So he's like tries to decide what he looks like, maybe gets it wrong. Like he's kind of a man in there, but he's mixed in with a horse because there's so many horses around. <laughs> and the guy he's got like rifles for arms because like, <laughs> like there's a rifle in there. Kit, that's a that's a centaur with two AK forty seven arms. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. That's exactly, exactly what we're looking there for. There we go. Yep. Because <laughs> without being told what somebody looks like, he has to kind of guess. Right, right, right. Oh, my God. 
That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be fantastic. So anybody out there wants to give us a, a, um, a picture of a centaur with AK-47 arms, that would be awesome. I would love to have that, please. Um, so Gerard leaves the trailer and jumps right on a horse and just starts riding across the fairgrounds. So now we get this chase between Gerard on the horse, Michael, Kit, and Mickey driving across the fairgrounds. Kit makes a few jumps over. Well, well, that's the funny thing. So, so Gerard on the horse because all assassins have to have good horse horse riding skills. Absolutely, hundred percent. So, like he he's on the he's on the course as well. So he's running. He's not like he's galloping, but not like at a full. He's at a good trot. No, yeah. But he's actually jumping over the bar the bars. I don't know what the proper horse terms are. I don't know. Yeah. But you would think he would go around it, and then also subsequently, you would think that Michael would be driving Kit around these obstacles. Nope. Nope, he's actually jumping after him. He's jumping after him, and at a few sequences, rather than... I thought a few times Kit was just going to jump, but just plows right through. Oh, man, (laughs) it's unbelievable. And they end up going into, like, the backs, like, behind the stables, and they're, like, going through the dirt paths trying to find him. And um, Michael tells Mickey at one point... Because Mickey's like, oh, don't hurt the horses. I promise me you're not going to hurt the horses. And Michael's like, no, all I want to do is wear out the horse. I'm like, do you know how long that's going to take like right. horses are trained to run for not just very that. long periods this of time this is a freaking race horse right and you're he's not running at full tilt just kind of running and doing dumb stuff right it's probably <laughs> scared out of his mind exactly so they finally get behind gerard back onto the fairgrounds and they're they're kind of right like a couple feet behind him michael switches into autopilot so kit takes over he gets out of the sunroof Somehow produces a lasso, <laughs> stands over, lassos Gerard off the horse, walks over and does like the the, the four point tie, yeah. like hog ties him uh-huh. and does like the <laughs> with the with the finger guns, and then we cut to the finale of the episode well, as, oh the, as the cops are arriving. Ah, so I love that. This man is a prestigious assassin. He is invisible to everyone. He is known only as the Frenchman. Yet Michael Knight and his intrepid car kit were able to lasso him off of a horse, hogtie him, <laughs> and then he's arrested. Yes. Yep. Okay, yes. that's fine. Um, I can roll with that. So we cut back to the, 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 final, the final farewell of the show, and everyone is just having a big, greasy Crisco party. Um, I'd like to think that's what's going to happen, because when Michael gets back to the condo, Kit's complaining because he's like, how long are we going to be staying here, Michael? Because the sea air is not good for my circuitry. And Michael's like, two, two days. Two days tops. Oh, and he's got like this bouquet of flowers. And, and, and Kit's like, well, actually, Michael, um, you see you have that one bouquet of flowers, but there's actually two people in the house. Oh. And he walks up and both Marie and Mickey open the door and he gives them each a bouquet. He goes in, turns around, puts his arm around each of the women. They kind of share a laugh. And then we fade out to the you know the the closing of Kit driving. They clearly had a threesome. Oh, without a doubt. Within seconds of that fade out and that dissolve, <laughs> they went upstairs. Or no, they just did it right in the doorway. Well, the door. Oh, they just they didn't shut the door. They just went inside, and they they just Marie put on her scuba outfit. <laughs> Michael got the wet Crisco, and then and then Mickey like just you know played her character on TV. Right. Just fake slapping everyone. <laughs> But they don't actually have sex. That's just what happens. They just she keeps fake slapping things. Marie's just like walking around with her harpoon gun, and <laughs> like like the scuba tank, and then Michael's just like like Krieger, 
<laughs> like an archer like rubbing himself with Crisco. <laughs> yes. In the kitchen. And that's how we end the episode. <laughs> that's how we. That's how we end the episode. But in reality, we just see Micah laugh with the two ladies. And that's that's it. That's it. We don't even get like a resolution where like where like usually like when you end a show like this, like somebody like Devin would come in and say, Well, you know, thanks to you, we've now arrested the Frenchman and this and this and this. Nope. Michael has sex with two women at the same time. Of course. <laughs> Devin's on the other side banging on the wall. Hey Michael! Turn on channel sixteen, it's the breast exam. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Man, I believe you get your ass kicked for something like that. <laughs> That's but that's it. That's the end of the episode. And now here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm gonna blow your mind with my rating for this episode. Oh fuck, okay. I'm ready. This was a for me. This was super action heavy, like more so than we've seen. There were a lot of chase sequences. There's a lot of like really really good action scenes throughout the course of the episode. I loved loved the chase. Through the fairgrounds, I, 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 that brought it up for I me. I thought for it sure. was really well done. The stuff with Mickey was expendable. I would have rather it had been a Michael actually being a bodyguard to Marie mm-hmm. because I liked their chemistry. Um, but overall, I thought the characters were pretty well done and well developed. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm giving this episode a Trans Am. <gasps> Whoa, I, that is the I, first Trans Am of the series, <sighs> except for the pilot. I gave I gave that I gave that a Trans Am, but I it's been, it's been a long time. Wow! I it was that for me. It, everything about it just kind of, despite the issues, it all sort of worked together and worked really well. And that final sequence on the fairgrounds was just phenomenal. You know, I can't I can't disagree with a high rating. I don't know if I'm ready to give it such a high rating. Okay. I will definitely give it a turtleneck and a turbo boost. So is that four and a half? Yeah. Because, All right. And, and it's like, this episode shouldn't have worked. No. I enjoyed watching it thoroughly because of the absurdity of the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just like, it doesn't matter. Like, let's just take a bunch of different ideas, put them together, and see what kind of show we'll come up with. And they did. And it somehow all fell together and worked really, really well. Like, I'm certainly beginning to embrace the random craziness. And it doesn't matter. Like, oh, we don't have to wrap anything up because it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. Here's a story. Here's a little bit of stuff that happened. A, B, C, D. There's the plot line. Done. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. It's great. It's great because they're never going to reference any of these characters again. We're never going to see Marie. We're never going to see Mickey. Like, that's it. This is how this this is one self-contained, beautiful, gorgeous episode. Okay, so this is, this is what's happening right now in my mind. What do you got? I feel like imagine, imagine multiple universes of time. Yes. Different timelines. All on a radio dial. And we're just flipping back and forth through the timeline of Michael Knight. Or different timelines of Michael Knight. Where this particular timeline, there's, there's you know, Marie and and what's his name and all these different characters. But we flip over to this timeline, it's completely different characters. Yep. And they'll never talk to each other because they're all different timelines. But they all go back. If you follow all the timelines back far enough, they'll end up at Michael Long. But somewhere along the line, the timeline split, and Michael has all these different uh, realities, and we're just hopping around in all these different realities. 
I like this. Devin Pat goes through all of them because, you know, he's a big part of Michael's life. Is this kind of like a quantum leap scenario? Exactly. Yeah. Like, all of these, all of these Michael Knight stories are hap- happening in parallel, but separately from each other. So, each of the 96 episodes of the series are 96 parallel universe, Michael, yes. Michael Knight. And they all start and end at the same time, but with different choices that Michael Knight has made. Are we going to go down this rabbit hole in the next, yes, for the next we couple are. weeks? <laughs> that explains that explains why the truck is always in the same place. Because maybe the truck is the hub of... It's basically... So I've been watching a lot of The Flash recently. <laughs> yes. And they talk about breach points where though there's, there are certain points in the world where each breach leads to a different universe. Okay. A parallel, a parallel Earth. So is are you saying that the the semi is the original breach with which they can go to all different points? Not intentionally. In reality, no. I'm just saying that any time that we see the semi, it's just because in that universe the semi hasn't moved. Like in some at some point in Michael Long days, that semi was parked there, and due to different situations, in some episodes it's gone, but sometimes it's there because different choices lead to different results. Okay, that's that's what I see. The, I hear. I got you. The entire Michael Knight universe takes place. In in forty five minutes, I love it. All of it, I love every second. It, of it. it all happens at the same time. That's phenomenal. We're gonna we're gonna explore this rabbit hole quite a bit in the next couple of weeks. So <laughs> so buckle up, everybody. <laughs> uh, um, do you want to hear what's coming up in the next episode? In the next episode, in yes. the next um, alternate reality of the Night Rider years. Yes, uh, 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 reality. What is it? Thirteen now. Episode 14. Oh, we're at 14. So, yeah. Reality 14. Reality 14 uh, is titled Hearts of Stone. Michael and Kit travel to Houston, Texas to cut off the sale of illegal weapons on the black market and find themselves caught up in a war between rival gangs. This sounds an awful lot like the biker episode. It does. Then an awful lot was the MacGyver one with the guns. Guns and boys. Guns and boys. With the rival wars, the rival gangs. That's exactly it. That's exactly what this is. Yep, it's going to be great. Okay. And I believe that this was actually the first episode of 1983. I think this is January of 83. So we kicked off in a new year with this one, I believe. I'm not not 100% positive. I'm pretty excited for this. It's going to be a good episode, um, but I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. So if you guys want to find us on the webs, you can find us uh, mostly, you can find everything you need at champacline.com. Um, you can find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook page. You can find our email in there. Uh, you can find our hotline number, 207-835-1954. We would absolutely love to hear from every single one of you guys. Um, also, the best way for us to be seen and heard by other listeners is to leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And as I'm thinking about it, Greg, we actually got a new Apple Podcast review. Oh, that's swell, David. So I think there's no better way to close out the week than by reading this. Five stars, a wonderful podcast. These guys are a joy to listen to every week. Their loving discussions of classic 80s television reveal something deeper within the fabric of time the show was produced, giving fresh perspectives to a bygone era, all while not taking themselves too seriously. This one based on Knight Rider, their last on MacGyver, Dave and Greg feel like old college buddies you still get together to have a beer with on Sundays. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll wonder how a car can become a sentient being. The Hoff would be proud. That's from our buddy Jay from Texas. Thanks, Jay from Texas. I really appreciate that. Uh, Keep them coming, guys. We'd really love to hear more from you guys. Uh, uh, we'd love to to get some more some more interactions with you. So so keep 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 those reviews coming. We'd love to hear from you. 
Um, Greg, any closing thoughts before we say good evening? I had such a good time tonight, David. I'm, Did you? It, it's weird to be back uh, from our little trip, but you know uh, there will be more travels with the night, so just keep your eyes peeled. Absolutely. Follow that hashtag, guys. So for the Night Rider years, I am under the mink blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I am Mickey's acting skills. Ooh, very nice. Have a fantastic I week, everybody. Night Industry 2000's microprocessor. K-I-T-T for easy reference. A kit if you prefer. What would you like to hear? There you have it loyal listener. A fine example of what can truly be done with podcasting. Hard work, consistent output, and just the right amount of guidance from an enigmatic network overlord. Tune in again next week, to see what timeless gem I dust off for your listening pleasure. Seriously. I need to get someone into this archive room and do some cleaning. It's filthy. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.